and welcome back to the Pinstripe Podcast. Scotty, what's going on? In general, you know, it's been going pretty well. In specific baseball, not really anything's been going well. So I want to uh, say this early before um, things get confusing. We're recording this Thursday afternoon. So some things we could play tomorrow. Like, we don't know what's going on with the end of the series. So we are strictly going to talk about I have the most information on Monday and Tuesday's games. Wednesday's game I wasn't able to watch a whole lot of. Not that I, I feel like I missed a whole time. lot of. Um, so I want to put that out there before anything gets confusing. Um, so let's jump right into it. You have a bit of a time crunch today. So uh, let's start off with Monday night's game. Uh, it was. Garrett Cole on the mound versus the worst guy in the world, (laughs) Blake Snell, who always looks like he got punched in the face. Like the man just looks like he needs a Benadryl. His eyes are puffy and he's just a nightmare to look at. But offensively, I think we worked really well against Snell. Do you agree? I I think we worked really well both ways, both offensively and defensively. Yeah, um, I don't have a lot of com- – I have, like, one little thing that I saw, but Clint hit a home run. You know, everyone – other people hit home runs, and I can't think of it. Obviously oh, – Carlo. Yeah, I was literally in the process of writing, like, a. I haven't seen John Carlos Stan show up in the playoffs, and he hit the grand slam. I was like, well, I guess I can delete that. And then he hit another one and another one and another one, and I was like, I really nice. can't Five. say that. Great. Um, I really think – I mean, this is getting into the whole past week in general. It, it's frustrating because he's been dominating our offense, which is great. But not only is he dominating it, he's literally our he's only, only, he's he's our only, only source of offense. I think yesterday, it was yesterday or two days ago, he was the only yeah. person getting um, a run. And he was like, I yeah, have, you know, they have three runs. And that was off of John Carlos Stanton's home run. And John Carlos Stanton's two-run home run. Yeah, so here, I have... All of our offensive, like, standouts. So, obviously, Giancarlo Stanton has six home runs and 13 RBIs in five postseason games, which is awesome. He's the first major leaguer to ever homer in each of his team's first five games of a postseason. Um, Aaron Hicks is also having a really big ALDS. I, at first, just had a, a good first game. He had two RBIs, which is awesome. But as of right now, he has five hits in nine at-bats with a 556 and has a 500 on base percentage throughout the entire postseason. So I think he's, he also like, I think he kind of quietly has, he's always been kind of a quieter producer. Yeah. This year he was doing really well. And I think you could see that in the lineup because they started off the year. They were like, Oh, I don't know if it's going to be Gardner or if we want to use Hicks, mm-hmm. and then by halfway through the year, you're like, Hicks is in center. Who's going to be playing left? And it kind yeah. of switches. It's kind of switched there, and we're at that point now where we're like, who's going to be playing left? But it's basically going to be Gardner at this point. Um, yeah, he he gets himself on base, which I think is something that sometimes we almost take advantage of because, as you've seen throughout not only the postseason but the regular season as well, is that 
where we're at with baseball is home runs. Like the people who win are the people who hit home runs. Um, but I would love to know how many, like he walks, I feel like more than anyone on the team. He works, walks really well. He works the count pretty well. And obviously like he had a good game one, like we were saying, he had two RBIs, a big contributor to us being able to win that one away. Another thing that I think deserves being talked about, I haven't noted with the first game, but it's relevant with tonight's lineup as well. Has Kyle Higashioka maybe snagged that starting catcher role? And is there is there a contract? I mean, we've talked about this a little bit, but I feel like it's almost always been in a lighthearted way of his contract. I don't think like, I think that's a serious consideration now, and I think they're trying to work it out. I think it, it, at this season, for the rest of this season, however long that is, I feel like we, they might see a turn in seeing Higashioka more. Yeah, I feel like they might, next year, might want to go back to Sanchez because I feel like their thought process is going to be like, ah, oh, it's just a slump because they have put so much into him. Personally, I think that, it should be exactly. It should be kind of a weighing at the moment to see if there's if their season ends and they have to go into next year. It should be an even fight going. So into you're, the next you're saying year. not don't really have a starting catcher. Kind of have I them share that I, role. Either share that role or kind of fight for the role to see because again, Higashioka we're seeing starting to play better. Sanchez isn't doing as well. Maybe the break Sanchez will get better. And so I feel like going into next year, they might want to more put up a, a 50-50 fight for it. I don't I, – I think it depends on what Gary's contract looks right now. Like, Yeah, like, I don't know what that is. If you could maybe find that just as I think this out. Because, I mean, we've talked about it all season. Gary had a terrible offensive year. Like, he hit home – he had a few home runs that were like – Really great and really clutch, but consistency-wise, average-wise, he did not have the year that we need. And the issue is that it wasn't just a, a this-year thing. He's always been a hot and cold player with more cold than hot, I, I think. What's his contract? I think he's done. Like, I think he had – apparently it was a one-year. Hmm, funky. Um, I just think yeah, if – Piggy gets consistent playing time, so consistent at bats. I already think behind the plate, I think he calls a better game. I think he blocks better and works better back there. I think the only thing that Gary might have him beat on is arm power. But We had a lot of one year. But, I mean, the thing about Gary Sanchez is it doesn't matter how strong your arm is if the ball's going to the backstop. Exactly. Like, I – I'm appreciative of the offense that he has provided, but after this year's performance, I don't know if I would, I don't know if I would bring him back. I, I don't know if I'm biased to Kyle Higashioka because I really like his story, but I think that he, in the games that he did play in defensively, I think he was pretty solid and offensively. I mean, not everybody has to be, like this superstar, super great hitter, right? You just need a guy that will put the ball in play. And I think that he puts the ball in play enough. And I think he would do it more if he got consistent at bats. So 
call me a Gary hater all you want. I just think that his time as a Yankee has run its course. Yeah. But I, and I feel like especially, like, I feel like if he wants to get – if he's going to get picked up, it's going to be a team who just sees him for his at-bats because he really needs to step up his catching ability. The, like, I would have – I mean, that's always been his big thing, and everybody's seen that with him, is it's just – you can't put him against with somebody like a, a pitcher who will do a dirt ball like a Bieber or a like glass now. I think he also has that. Exactly. I mean, I have this written down a little bit later. In the game that – so it was Wednesday's game. They put in Pete Fairbanks, who that day was not throwing well. He was averaging like 100 miles an hour, but was nowhere around the strike zone. Um, it was the top of the ninth. There were runners on first and second, and Gary was the tying run at the plate. Um, I don't understand why we didn't pinch hit there. Um, I mean, because so Gary started the game. You can pinch hit, I don't know, literally any – I mean, and this is coming from me who sometimes I'm not the biggest Brett Gardner fan, but Clint Frazier started and played that game. You pinch hit Brett Gardner, who is consistently better with runners in scoring position and is better at hitting velocity than Gary Sanchez and also I think has better plate discipline. Like Fairbanks was nowhere near – Fairbanks was nowhere near the strike zone. Gary struck, like, swung and missed on the first three pitches he saw, which were all out of the zone. If you're not going to go up there in the top of the ninth as the tying run and have a good at-bat, you're not the guy that should be up. That guy is clearly struggling to throw strikes. Why are you swinging the bat? Yeah, I mean, I feel like yeah, that's exactly it. And, I mean, this is going off the end, but I feel like I saw that again. I feel like Judge is going back to his old ways. I had him, too. Judge swung at at least two balls in the dirt. It's uh, yes. I, I started calling them. I started watch. I, I was watching the game, and I'd see, oh, one, two, uh, curveball in the dirt. He's gonna swing. Boom. Swing, I've said misses. that. Be- I've said that before. Like, the best understand- way to get Aaron Judge out is to throw a curveball down and dying in the dirt. He swings at it. And every he, time. he, it is actually proven that he does get more calls down low. Oh, one hundred percent. So I understand the chase. But, like, it's still – you have to realize that they're just going to keep doing that to you. Even, like, curveballs going down, you're not going to get called as much. You're going to get fastballs down a little bit below the zone, you're going to get called. But those curveballs that are just going to keep going down, you're never going to get called for it. And, I, I mean, I feel like he had it He had it going at some point where he was like, hey, he actually doesn't look like he's going to do that. But it did, it, it did come back a little bit. I was just frustrated in the top of the ninth when we were – we got our, I think our leadoff two guys got on, yeah. Um, and then we started chasing a little bit with a guy that was struggling to throw strikes. Like, that guy should not have been able to get – Fairbanks should not have been able to get out of yeah. that inning as well as he did. Like, he got out of it with no run scored, and I feel like we definitely – I mean, I know it was the top of the ninth, so we would have wanted to push three or four across, but it was, it was a little frustrating. Um, it was rushed. There's no time limit on how on how quickly you need to get runs. Exactly, that's a good way to put it. We felt it felt like there was there was a rush to everybody wanted to be the one to score the run, which I understand. Like I don't want to sit here and be like I don't know why they felt rushed. Obviously, the adrenaline's pumping. You want not only do you want to win because it's the playoffs, but they win that game. They're up two games to nothing. They win that game. It's just another win against the Rays, which there's been a lot of tension between. Like I understand why we may have felt that rush, 
but it was just a little bit frustrating to watch. Um, before we get into game two, because I have some things really quickly that I want to touch on about pitching, um, I do want to ask a question that I saw from game one, um, and that was the conversation of Glaber Torres playing shortstop. Um, I don't know if you may have noticed, but the inning that Gio made is two really good plays. You know the ones I'm talking about. The one that he jumped up for and the one that he threw from his butt, right? He had two outs right there on like four pitches. The next play after that was a backhand to Glaber. I mean, it was, it was a sharply hit ball, but he gloved it and then dropped it. And then later in the game, they put Tyler Wade into second base, DJ over to first, and Tyler Wade made a really good play went to throw it to Glaber to turn two at second. And there was like a, a bobble, a miss, just like a few things that, you know, chances for two, chances for outs that like that game didn't come back and bite us in the butt because we managed to win it. But it's it's just something that we've kind of talked about all year. Yeah, and that, that's been a big thing for him all year. And I mean, everybody's noticed that and he's had talks about it. His whole thing is like, I need. he knows that he needs to work on it. And it, I mean, this wasn't, this wasn't him last year. This wasn't, yeah. this wasn't the normal him and it's just come out of nowhere and it's, it's killed the team. I think, what is it? We're number one or number two in most errors. Something in like that. Something. And I understand that like stepping into the role of a shortstop on any team is really big. Stepping into the role as the Yankee shortstop, I could imagine is tenfold more difficult but um, it's it's frustrating because I trust that he can make the plays. Like when he was getting scouted, everyone was like, "This guy's good." Like this guy's a, a really good infielder. When he was playing second base, he was doing it very well. It just seems like something shifted. Even though everybody and he also says that short shortstop has been his like true position. Um, it's it's just something to notice. Maybe it just needs more drilling. I don't, I don't know how much more drilling can do. He just needs to get out of his head, I think. I think he's very much in his head. Yeah, I um, And I know that a lot of people have issues with Tyler Wade, but defensively, he has really good hands. Like, they put him in at the end of games because defensively they trust him. Because he fits on the bases. If, if, if he fits on the bases, if Luke Boyd gets on at the end of the game, you're like, oh, yeah, I can – Trust him to go and run, and he won't. He needs a waste at that. It's a, it's a perfect set because you go, you're like, I can throw a fast guy over at first now. We can maybe steal a run eventually, and then he's not afraid to go. Hey, you can play second, DJ. You'll move to first. Exactly. And there's a, not a, a there's, good rotation there. There's no defensive problem of him going in in the ninth. But like, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I'm not saying do it today because they're not doing it today. Obviously, Glaber starting at short, but why not play like is the reason that they don't play with that idea is because offensively he's not as strong but Glaber didn't have a terrific offensive year this year anyway yeah so it's just I, I know that it was a weird year and I do think that that has a lot to do with any offensive woes it's just and we've said this before it's frustrating to see the team offensively offensively perform super well in the whole series against Cleveland super well on Monday night against Blake Snell and then the last two nights sort of fall flat 
Um, but on the other side of that, I feel like we have to address the elephant in the room being Wednesday nights pitching mess. Um, and there's, there's no other way to explain it. Um, Michael K talked about it very well, which I think is, it's a good Twitter thread to follow. Um, before we get into it, he's talking about how this is not like, this was not an Aaron Boone decision. It was people above him, like Cashman, their decision. He thinks to approach it this way. Um, and I think that is a really important thing to note because a lot of people, you see it, I see it on Twitter all the time. A lot of people like to turn every decision on Aaron Boone. And of course there are decisions that Boone makes that we don't agree with, but I think Boone, I think I'm not positive. I think Boone makes a lot more of the game time in game decisions while starting lineup, starting pitcher, all that comes from people above him. Yeah. Um, so if you want to try and maybe figure out your grievances with Aaron Boone, read that Twitter thread first um, <laughs> and then kind of figure it out. But what happened is, in case you didn't see it, I don't know how you could miss it, is the Yankees announced that Debbie Garcia would be our game two starter. Youngest starter, I know for the Yankees. I don't. I think it I was think for the Yankees. I don't think. It yeah, was. he's like he's twenty one, so he came out as the starter, and because of that, the Rays put out a left handed heavy lineup. And I, so I, originally right when they announced it, I sent Scotty. I sent it to you, and we had our our nice little freak out because we love Debbie Garcia. Um, and I had Scotty do some research and. Garcia has never thrown against the Rays. And obviously, as we've talked about last week going into this series, we were kind of the Rays bitch this year in the regular season, right? Yep. There's no way to sugarcoat it. So I hypothesized that we were throwing Garcia to give them – I know this doesn't – mean as much in a year of like watching guys on tape and you know seeing how they throw in other games but I think since he had never thrown against the Rays I think that that was I like that was why I thought they were going with the thought process instead of throwing Tanaka game two who we can talk about in a moment um but then they only used Garcia as an opener. So Devi only threw the first inning and then Jay Hap came in. So I trusted Jay Hap even when he was good. I was like, this isn't right. So Devi in the first inning, I believe he gave up a home run. He gave up a home run. He gave up a solo home run, but I think we also he did score back. We yeah, got it so, going to the so we were like, okay, we're tied at one. All good. And then all of a sudden, Jay Happ goes in for relief of Debbie Garcia. So first of all, I was concerned that something happened, like injury-wise to Garcia, and that's why he was getting pulled so early. I was like, oh, shit. Like, that's not good. Um, 
but then it turns out that the point of it was for Jay Hap to take out all of the lefties because he has in the past thrown better against lefties. So the point was for the Rays to put out a lefty heavy lineup, which they did. And then for Jay Hap to take care of them. Uh, obviously those events did not occur. Um, and I think a lot, me and many, many other fans and Scotty, I think you included were frustrated at this funky opener BS shit that we did not, I just said bullshit shit. Um, (laughs) this weird opener stuff that we just did not have any right messing in. Yeah. I mean, especially with something like Debbie, like the point is you throw Debbie and you're like, Hey, it's a great idea. They haven't seen Debbie. And it's like, actually, it's all a setup for to have a pitcher who can't really pitch to pitch. Yeah, it's not like it's not like you're like, ha ha ha, you thought you were getting Jay Hap. Here comes Garrett Cole. It's like that's this this surprise was not like, oh my gosh, now I'm all thrown off. Like, come on. Yes. I <laughs> they're like, actually, we prefer this. Um, it was just I can't, I mean, I understand. And in the post-game press conference, Debbie talked about how he knew that this was the approach that was going on, but like, why give the kid the ball and then be like, actually psych, you were just a trick. Yeah. 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 Especially that, like, that's just such a terrible idea. Especially you just got like punked. Like, especially, especially somebody like Debbie, who's been pitching extremely well. And, like, you're like, oh, maybe they just have a really short string. They need to give them one home run, and, and they're already taking him out. But, like, that's that's probably terrible to do for him because now he's like, oh, I'm just, I'm just used now on this team. It, it is weird saying that he's never really been used in the opener sense. But also, as an organization, we've never really played around with the opener – idea the only guy that kind of did it a little bit last year last year Loisaga did it a little bit yeah and I think he did it one or two times this year but I don't I don't understand why all of a sudden we tried to get and we tried to play the Rays game Rays ball yeah (laughs) right Rays baseball is having crazy arms openers a different guy every inning like that's their that's, game and that's the one thing that i didn't realize until starting to watch the broadcast is how many of these things the race have brought up like they're like one of the main people to intru- to introduce a shift they were mm-hmm. some somebody to introduce the opener like i was like i didn't know that they were so they were so productive like this <laughs> it was it was weird that, like we've we've talked about it before every broadcast has talked about it before we have a mediocre bullpen on our off days, right? So day one, we had all of our big guns throw. So then that day, what we had to, I think we had to go to Nick Nelson. We had to go to Lawat. Like we had to go to our weaker arms. We don't, our strength this season was not in the bullpen. Our strength this season was supposed to be offense. And before Severino got hurt was supposed to be starting pitching before Canley got hurt, right? Right. Before, honestly, before all of the injuries, we may have been able to get away with, away with like, all right pitching, you know, all right starting pitching. Yeah, because right. if, if we can get good starting pitching, then we can go and go through seven innings. And yeah. then it doesn't really matter what your bullpen looks like at that exactly, point. Exactly, exactly. But it was, it was 
confusing because since well, as long as Seve, sorry, as long as it's not the Mets bullpen. True. Because once Sevy was hurt, right, we're down a starting pitcher that we can trust to get to six or seven innings every time. Canley drops down that transitional reliever, right? We slowly start realizing like Ottavino doesn't throw well this year. Yeah. You just start kind of like pitching isn't your strength. wasn't doing too well either this year. He has he's been probably yeah. one of the most consistent ones that I've seen give up runs. It, I yes. So like I don't like our strength is offense. Play to that strength, right? If Garrett Cole's not on the mound, you don't do cutesy stuff with your bullpen, expecting all of a sudden for Nick Nelson to be able to all of a sudden not even Nick Nelson all of a sudden Jay Happ to be able to throw those pitches, right? It was just frustrating for us to see, like, that's just not the game that we play. We don't play the opener thing. That's not who we are as an organization. And it was, it was weird. I, I think that if Debbie stayed in, that game would have been a lot different. Um, I mean, we can't say definitely, but Maybe I personally think – In our offense again, our offense wasn't producing – but it's also hard if you right. Um, you're in a after Jay Hab's first inning, they were down four runs. Yeah. That, no offense likes but, to dig yeah. back from that. Um, but obviously, we will never know what would have happened if Devi stayed in. But Aaron Boone did say all hands are on deck tonight. Um, I hope they are. <laughs> right. So. Um, we're, we can talk about Wednesday night really quick, but I just want to say he's saying, right, so Monty's starting tonight, which already makes me nervous. Um, he hasn't thrown in a while. No, he hasn't. Um, which maybe that'll be good, right? Maybe the extra rest will be helpful. But since Devi, I think he only threw like 20 pitches, 27 pitches. He said that he is definitely an option. He said he's not afraid to use Garrett Cole, which makes me nervous because That's... if we force – Game five on Friday, what are you going to throw Tanaka, who has – You just pitched and just pitched out. His last two well. playoff starts have not been it. And it's like the first one we talked about last week, right? They had that weird break. Last night, I, I don't know what's going on because Tanaka in the playoffs has always been so different and so much more like on the ball. Mm-hmm. And the last two – um, yesterday was not was not it yeah and that's also the thing though is if you go and you're like oh he made it to game five Tanaka's not fully rested Tanaka's not fully rested rest. if you're throwing Devi tonight he's not fully rested if you put Garrett Cole in tonight he's not fully rested Garrett Cole should not see the field tonight I'm I don't care I, like, I don't care but, what kind of situation we're in Chapman hasn't thrown in a while, but yeah. we have he arms. Huh? Indians. He hasn't thrown since we played the Indians because we haven't needed to. And I understand. We've gone and we are up by a ton. We didn't need to use them. And yeah. then we've been down by a ton. We didn't need to use them. So I think there are other people who can, like, I don't want to see Loisaga on the field tonight. I don't want to see Nick Nelson on the field. I don't want to see Adam Adovino. Obviously this is being posted on Friday. So we will all know who made it on the field and what the situation is. But in my Thursday mind predictions, I don't want to see any of those three on the field. But then you, you play the same game of, right, you don't want to put any of them on the field, but then 
we forced game five on Friday, you put the hands in our B side of our bullpen after Garrett Cole gets taken out. It's just, it's tough because we don't have the bullpen depth that we really need, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think we never really looked at it this way because I think the preparation was never looking at uh, at baseball this way of we have to play five straight and yeah. whoever we start might have to end this series and, and things like that. And I mean, we're seeing that happen now where we're like, if we go to a game five where we have nobody. We have like, we want to pitch Cole, but the thing is if we need to shut out this game tonight, do you put your best guys out? Like it's, it's a spot that I wouldn't want to be in. And as much as people want to rip on Aaron Boone or rip on whoever made the opener decision, they're in a tough spot, but they also put themselves in that top spot, tough spot um, by not really having the arms that we need. But hopefully, you know, we figure something out, not only tonight, but moving forward. Um, one thing that I do want to note, um, Trevor Bauer on Twitter. Trevor Bauer is going around bullying everybody. I mean, that, <laughs> but he's saying, like, for a, a few teams, he's like, blank needs starting pitching. Wonder what it's like there, right? He started with Boston. to Boston. <laughs> he's, he started with Boston, but he brought up the Yankees the other day. I think it is interesting that he was like, looks like the Yankees need some starting pitching. Hmm, I wonder who's like a free agent, something like that. He just and, likes to tease everything. Like, like I know that it's a so tease, fun. but I, it's I do so think fun it's to look at the comments of those posts. I do think it's interesting. Ew, my voice just made a really gross noise. Um, I do think it's interesting because everybody knows that him and Garrett Cole don't like each other. Um No, not everybody, apparently. Um, okay, so I don't know where I was going with that Trevor Bauer point. Um, our family interrupted. So I don't really know what I was going to say, but I hope my message got across. Um, but just the last, do you have anything else on the Yankees? Um, no, basically everything we've been over is we saw game one, we had great pitching, great hitting. Game two and three, we haven't had great pitching. We haven't had great hitting. We just need to replicate game one, but be able to, like, we can't, We've said this before, all of the Cole games we have to win, but we have to be able to win without Cole on the mound as well. Yes. And, and I feel like for some reason, and this shouldn't happen, our offense is being affected by our defense. And so, like, we're having a bad pitching day. Oh, well, now our offense doesn't want to hit either. Yeah, we, like, we, have, to be be like, to, we have to be able to, like, compartmentalize. Like, you have to see, okay, maybe your defense. defense isn't doing great. Your offense has to step up today. Exactly. Great way to put it. Um, so big prayers up tonight for Thursday. Obviously when this is posted, we will already know the results, hopefully with a forced game five with Garrett Cole on the mound and a nice trip to the ALCS, hopefully. Um, is just going to be going back to your hotel. Huh? Because the next game is at San Diego. It's in, it's in Petco. It's in Petco, and I think the World Series is in Petco, too. Oh, interesting. If, if the Padres don't make it, then the World Series is in Petco. Hmm, fun. Um, but do you have anything from around the horn, around I the league at all? Bit. So this was from last series. This was um, the Padres series against the Cardinals, if I'm correct. 
Fernando's Taddeus Jr. and Will Myers were the second pair of teammates in postseason history to have two home runs each in the same game. The last people who did it, Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. Tatis is having some sort of – I don't know if you have this anywhere. He has some sort of record for, like, first postseason, most home runs sort of deal, something along those lines. Um, I've said it before, and I've said it again, and I'll say it again. The Padres are a super great team to watch this year. Honestly, as much as I love what's going on with the Yankees and the Rays, I think I could watch Dodgers-Padres games. I don't, know if I, said, I don't know if I said this last week, but I, I'm going to say it again if I didn't. I feel like this week is the best games, and we're really seeing teams have to do what they need to do. We're seeing – I agree. The Rays are defending their first place spot. The mm-hmm. Yankees are trying to prove that they're actually still a good – a very solid team this year. Yep. Um, we have the Astros and the A's. The, Ast- the A's are just trying to beat the Astros. I mean – Everybody just- is cheering for the A's. They beat um, the A – they're two Stayed and off one. Of elimination. They're, yeah, yeah, they're two they, and one. They're two one with Astros having the lead right now, though. Um, and then you go and you'll have the Braves and the Marlins, which the I Braves don't are. Know if that's ended. The Braves Did are that currently um, winning in the top of the fifth, seven to nothing. Oh, okay. Well, the what Braves I was going were to also say. favored. Yeah, but in relation to that, that was the Marlins coming out of nowhere saying, hey, we're not yeah. this team to make fun of anymore. We're a real team now. Yeah, and I 100%. felt like the Braves were a good step up to that because the Braves are seen as this kind of sub-team in relation to everybody else in the playoffs. They're like, okay, they're, they're, eh, they're not anything I agree. wonderful. And I've said this before. I do think that the Braves are – I mean, I don't, have, they're, I don't they're know how they stack – I don't know how they'll stack so up. Well. Yeah, I don't know how they'll stack up against the Dodgers or the Padres, the Padres but, but I think that they are a really strong National League team who I think after last year should have been taken seriously, but I especially think after this year should definitely be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. Ma- uh, Max Freed is a monster on the mound. Their offense goes so much deeper than – like last year I felt like it kind of fell flat after Albies, Acuna – and Freeman, but Darno yeah. is having a really great season. Swanson's having a really great season. There's no uh, Nick Markakis is having a really good like. There's no falter in their offense, so yeah. they're really able to play it on both sides. Yeah, of the they're ball. producing so well, and their and their defense is like I'd say their defense is average. I mean, you have Max Fried, of course, but like Max beyond Fried, that, yeah. it's it's Freddie nothing Freeman. like extraordinary. But they're doing the job, and they're not making mistakes. Yeah, and I, I think. I think that they're a really good team that can't get swept under the rug, but that series is really cool to watch, um, especially as someone who is like a low-key Braves fan. Um, But it is uh, cool to see the Marlins, like you were saying, fighting that off. This is really like, I think, the best week of baseball that we've seen this year. There's not a game you don't want to watch. Yeah, and then, of course, finally, you have that Padres-Dodgers game, and that's the Padres saying, hey, we didn't just have a good regular season. We're a solid team. We should be taken seriously. And the Dodgers are like, all right, we're the freaking Dodgers. We're number one. <laughs> what is the standing on the Padres-Dodgers game, like their series right now? I think it's 2-0 Dodgers. Dodgers? I, I know that it was. Yes, I think I think every every game that's playing today had a 2 to something lead. So I think that would be 2-0 in favor of the Dodgers. I knew that 
tempers were high last night. Um, oh, because Manny Machado, that's why. Yeah, Cody Bellinger made a fantastic play um, to steal Rob, a home run from Rob Tatis. Honestly, you can't get mad at that because I don't know if you watched um, – um, I forget his name. John Boy. Uh, uh-huh. Did you see his, his analysis of it? No, I have not. All right, so their pitcher, I talked about this guy, and now I'm blanking on his name again. I talked about this guy for the Dodgers, the game that they used nine pitchers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but he throws 100 with about three inches of movement. Like hand, like yeah, arms I, I know the I know the guy you're talking about. He, I, he I can't think nasty. of nasty. And Tatis took it dead center, mm-hmm. like most dead center you can get. And just Bellinger, just you know, strolled out there and <laughs> I mean, snagged it right in the middle of his glove. He, yeah, he Belly said that it was the best. Like someone asked him, they were like, "Out of all of your catches, where would you rank that one?" He was like, "That was number one. Like that and was think, that I was the best one." The big thing about that being number one is the situation. It was a uh, yeah, one hundred percent. I think they were up one. The Dodgers uh-huh. were up one. It would have been a two-run home run to put the Padres up. Yeah. So that was probably one of the most situationally best catches. And I think Manny Machado, like obviously, yes, you can be upset that that opportunity was taken away from you, but you also just have to wreck like the whole he setting was- of like game recognizes game. Like that's a really awesome play. You have to risk like Machado was more mad at the pitcher for celebrating because the pitcher got really excited and really hype about it. Like, and then Machado, who just hit a home run earlier in the game, was like, Oh, you just wait for me. And then I think Machado got out. It's it we've said this before about Manny Machado. Talent wise, he's really, really great, but I think that he is just immature and yeah. like and, you know, it seemed like it almost went away with the Padres. And I think also it might be a little bit that it's the Dodgers and the, there's definitely Dodgers for a year. Yeah, it feels like kind of like an older brother, like an older sibling rivalry. Like the Padres feel like the little guy in like California. They're like, oh, don't forget about us. Um, so I can understand that tension. Um, it, I mean, it's kind of like their own, like they don't, they call it like the highway series. It's kind of like their own subway series. Um, but it's it, it was a little bit weird to like i don't know it obviously was, i've never been in that situation of yeah, like yeah but it seemed it seemed almost unnecessary yeah you. like you're both playing your butts off like relax yeah like i understand they're being like a little aggression but like that's just like i felt like that was almost like an instigator like he wanted he wanted something to come out of it yeah and literally if you watched nobody else wanted anything yeah they were all just like okay all right, calm down, Jamal. Don't pull out the knife. <laughs> um, um, one while we're talking about, like we were saying, this is a really great week in baseball. I don't mean to jump on you in case you may have this one in there. Did you see Ron Lacuna? Let's just throw his whole name together. Ronald Acuna Jr. After he got hit in the hip after he hit a home run, or do you know? Okay, I did not. so. Um, it was either game one or game two of the Braves Marlins series. Um, the Braves were home, so they were up first in the bottom of the first inning. Uh, Ronald Acuna leads off, hits a home run. Um, next time up, he catches first pitch right in the hip. Um, and apparently him and the pitcher, I want to say his last name was Anderson, but I genuinely do not know. 
um, have had previous previous issues oh, with I him. It wasn't Sixto. Because Sixto pitched today. It's just such, a, such an amazing name. It wasn't. Uh, <laughs> so the, the two of them had previous issues. Um, and so Cunha took a few steps towards the mound. The pitcher's like, all right, I'll go. And then there's like four people between them. They're like, please, we do not need to fight coronavirus. Um, but then Acuna tweeted, they hit me because they can't get me out, which I mean, is fair. That's a yeah. that's yeah. fair. Um, but then what I thought was really cool was Trevor Bauer retweeted and quoted oh, it because obviously it's Trevor Bauer. At this point, I feel like I should just like be a reporter on his social media practices because I think that they're fantastic as someone who like wants to go in and work in social media. I think he works it very well. Um, he's like, pitchers have to get over guys pimping home runs. Like he hit, he hit it like 450 something. Like he hit it far, gave it a little bat flip and a little stroll, which like on also that's his style. Like he's been like that for the last two years, but um, Bauer was like, pitchers have to stop getting upset by batters pimping home runs. Obviously you made a mistake. This is the direction the game is going. Not our fault if you can't keep up. And I was like, and like, Bro, you ain't even involved. And I think that's really funny because I don't know if I mentioned this also. I think it was last week. It was Tim Anderson. Uh, it was a while ago then. Cause then yeah. I no, I think, I think, did they play? They played last week, I think. No, it couldn't have been because neither of them are in the playoffs anymore. I don't know, Scotty. Yeah, no, I don't know, but it was it was when the Reds played. It was, it was when the Reds played the White Sox. Oh, yeah, we did talk about this. Yeah, Tim Anderson took uh, took one and then like took one to like dead center and then Trevor Bauer was like he didn't do it he didn't put he, he like he it. got mad that he didn't bat, bat flip. <laughs> all right, uh, like, all right. I just want to. I have a few more things. Uh, I know you're gonna hate to hear this, but I thought that was a really cool fact. Alex Bregman has homered five times four straight years on October fifth. Yeah, that's just super weird. I don't understand it. First of all. Who the oh, hell thought, found that out? Who was like, I oh. That it was interesting during the year when uh, Mike Trout did it on his birthday, but like October 5th, four straight years. So they That means that they were in the playoffs four straight years. Like at least like Mike Trout, Mike Trout's is weird um, because it's like his birthday and stuff, but it's like when everybody's playing baseball. So it's like, okay, like as long as you have a game scheduled on that day, cool. But like to Homer on October 5th every year, October baseball is playoff baseball, so it means that they were able to cheat their way into the playoffs four years in a row. So Yeah, that's, that's why I was like, I know you're not going to love to hear this. The A's are cool. currently leading the Astros. Heck yeah. Um, thing I didn't bring this up when we were talking about the Yankees, but they were the first team in MLB history to hit 11 home runs in the first three postseason games. Because our offense is our strength, not our pitching, yeah. right? Just – do the things we're good at. Yeah. And then I had this thing. I had this saved. It's uh, Glass now. This was Tuesday. He pumped 101 against Luke Voigt in the first inning to strike him out. And I was like, ah, that's pretty interesting. But then I realized, so did Garrett Cole in one of his last pitches. He pumped 101. <laughs> Garrett Cole has been, um, and they were talking about this in spring training, his velocity managed to increase even more he has been hitting 100 a little bit more consistently but Tyler Glass now is a freak of nature he's like 6'2 or 6'5 like he's a 
big guy. Um, and he's, he's ridiculous on the mound. The broadcast was saying just like how our Cole games are the games that we have to win. The Rays glass now games are the yeah. games that they have to win. He also, weren't they both in, in Pittsburgh together too? I think so. Yeah. And they weren't, and they weren't, like, it, was like it wasn't as good. They had, when they had Verlander and all those people. Yeah. It's because just... the Pittsburgh trade was Chris Archer from the Rays for yeah. glass now and some other guy that hit a home run this series. I can't think of his name. I can see his face, but I can't think of his name. Um, so obviously the Rays won that trade, but Glass now also looks like a guy that would act in a live action version of a Disney movie and he would be the <laughs> prince. And I think I think this is the, the funny thing is is like you go, you'll play against Cola at Glass now and you're just like, I just saw 101. The next guy comes in, he's just throwing ninety-eight. Like, like uh, that's, that's a he's drop. so sl- like, <laughs> okay, guy. Like, you know, um sometimes I, well, you were a pitcher, so it didn't happen as much with you. Like I come into the dugout and they're like, oh, what's she throwing? I'm like, oh, she's not throwing hard. Like just 98 miles an hour. Like yeah. such a, a wild, it's like a, a, you have to like set your brain to that yeah. thing the normal, which is so weird. And then the last thing that I want to go over is another Padres thing. The San Diego Padres um, brought in a pitcher. I think it's reliever, Ryan Weathers. Yes. 20 years old, has never played above a ball. 11-0 with a 0.09 ERA in high school. In high school? Like, who was this guy? And then he went, and his first strikeout was against Cody Bellinger. So, like, it was a legit, legit guy. He was a legit. That was, that was his, his first thing. His debut was in the NLDS, everything like that. Another yeah. fun thing about him. I saw that, and I was very what? confused. He's another MLB player kid. He had his dad. He, his dad was David Weathers, who I, I maybe play. I can't see with how bad quality what team that is. They all looked the same back then. Hold on. It could be like five teams. I can't tell. But so it's that's like we have like twenty of those in the league now. We're just like, yep, they're kids, 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 kids. He was a part of the New York Yankees nineteen ninety six World Championship over he the Atlanta Braves. Looked like the Yankees, and I just he played like, for the, the Yankees, he also, Tigers. I could be. <laughs> he also played for the Reds. I think the video that they have is from because it's probably the Yankees because that makes sense to be playoffs and playoffs. Yeah, I saw that, and I was very confused where the guy came from. He also had this like weird pitter patter of him on the mound, like he like. I don't know how to explain it. He would like pick one foot up and put one foot down. It was really weird. He seems um, very anxious. Pitches. <laughs> but it it I, I saw that and I was like, what the, what old, are they doing? You are twenty years old and they're just like, eh, bring him in. <laughs> in perspective, Scotty. In a close game against freaking. That would be me going in. My me. Twenty Three, years old. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, just go and pitch go against and Cody Bellinger. And Mookie Betts, like, NBD, not a problem. Knock yourself out. And he's just like, bruh, what? Yeah, that was that was super weird. I did see that. Yes, and that is all I have. A little bit short of a week. But, I mean, there wasn't really much to do. There's only four games. Yeah, Um, but I don't have much else to say. Scotty does have to start getting out of here, but – Obviously, we are rooting hard for the Yankees both Thursday night and the hopeful Friday night game. Rooting hard for the Yankees and the Athletics. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 
obviously throughout the whole day, there's awesome baseball to watch. Like we talked about this is, I really think that the playoffs this year is anybody's game. It's anybody's world series. And we're just, we love, we love the baseball. So um, that has been it for this episode. If you want to keep in touch about baseball between games and between episodes, you can follow me on Twitter at Lex Samanchek, L-E-X-S-E-M-A-N-C-H-I-K. And don't forget to like and rate and subscribe to us on whatever platform you are streaming this from. Thank you so much for listening. And that we will see you next week. This has been the Pinstripe Podcast. Bye.